0: Okay, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4 today. And if you've been following along, I'm going to go ahead and go back to chapter 3 a little bit to explain what happened in chapter 3. In chapter 3 of the Gospel of Luke, our Lord and Savior had begun His ministry. And the first thing He did in the beginning of His ministry was to appear at the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. And so as He was being baptized, the heavens opened. And the voice of God had appeared and said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Listen to everything he says. And then the spirit of a dove came down and descended upon our Lord and Savior as he was baptized. And everyone was astonished by this. Our Lord and Savior being baptized of all things. Why would that need to be? I explained that in chapter 3. He did it to be... To be recognized with man. He did it as an example. It wasn't a necessity for him to be baptized for the remission of sin. As, as baptism isn't necessarily a, a remission of sin or the removing of sin. But it's basically making that commitment known that you are a follower of Christ. And, and Christ himself was the perfect example. And so that was the first thing that we seen him do during the part of his making known of who he is in his ministry. To be baptized by John the Baptist who happened to have also been his cousin by relation of his mother Mary who was the sister of John the Baptist's mother Elizabeth. And and so beforehand we had seen John the Baptist baptizing other people. And John the Baptist became somewhat of of a figure at the time. To where they thought that he was possibly the Messiah. Here was this, this wild man living in the desert area, in the wilderness, yelling out to everybody about the coming of our Lord. To make straight the path. Because in, in the job of, of a person back in those days when the king was coming, when a king was coming in, into the area, somebody always came ahead of the road to make known that the king was on his way. And so we can see why John the Baptist was doing this shortly before the coming of our Lord and Savior because that is what he was called to do. He was called to, to make known who the Lord was. And so we didn't see too much of, of John the Baptist in his, in his adult life because him and Jesus were roughly close to the same age. John the Baptist was born six months uh, before our Lord and Savior. And so, he started months before his coming. John the Baptist was living out in the wilderness eating locust and wild honey. He was dressed in camel's clothing who had a belt around his garments there. And people probably looked at him and thought to themselves, oh, who is this guy yelling out there in the wilderness? He's, he's some sort of crazy man of sorts. Well, no, he was crazy for the Lord. He was, a, he was crazy in his servanthood for what he did. He was crazy for him in love. An admonishment. And so we see, we see why Christ in the other Gospels said that John the Baptist was the greatest man he ever knew. It wasn't because they were related, it was because of his service and his heart and his, his dedication to his calling. John the Baptist didn't pull punches, okay? So when he was baptizing people, many came to, to, to be baptized and to observe what he was doing. And he gave some wonderful insight to all sorts of people, to the tax collectors. Roman soldiers came up, and he advised all of them basically to 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 change their ways of what they were doing and how they were doing things and, and so we've seen in chapter three that John the Baptist had become somewhat of a figure, and he had to remind them that it is not me, I baptize with water, but there is one. Who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire? And that is again our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is is who He will baptize with, and that will be later on after His death in the Book of Acts. the The, bapti- the baptism of fire He was referring to was baptism of cleansing and renewing, as of as of being refined like gold and silver is in fire. So that is who the Lord is going to be baptizing by. Not by water from a temporary washing, but by something that purifies for, forever and for once and for all. The Holy Spirit and fire. Baptism by such things, only by our Lord and Savior. And so as we begin in Luke chapter 4... Well, we're going to see in the beginning of what is going to happen here. Luke is, is documenting the fact that after our Lord and Savior starts his ministry, he goes on a 40-day fast. And, well, who shows up right at the end of that 40-day fast? And you can only imagine that that for somebody to fast for that long it is at their absolute weakest Physically. And 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 the ability for temptation can come to any to anyone who is in those circumstances. But we're going to see here is Christ is not just anyone. And the and the one who actually comes to him is none other than Satan himself, who shows up on the scene to tempt our Lord and Savior. Let's take a look here in chapter four, and I'm going to be reading verses one through eight to start us off. And it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written you shall not worship or that you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. So it's amazing what happens to us again when we're filled with the Holy Spirit as Christ was now led to the wilderness at the end of the forty day fast, and who showed up Satan himself, we see how temptation can come at the at the high points of our life at times, just as easy as the low points in, in the truth of life and the walk we have with the Lord, we are at times led by the, by the still waters. But we're also led into the desert wilderness as well. As our Lord was deity, he was also human. He ate, he drank. He had the same functions we did as people, as humans, which is why he understands us and our needs. Now, Satan, just as as he tempted Eve in the garden during the beginning of time, uh, he had no qualms about giving it a go to our Lord and Savior. And why you look at Satan, Satan was the most beautiful of the angels in heaven before he was booted out. He was also one of the most powerful as well. In fact, he was able to lure third of heaven's angels to follow him and not God, their actual creator, which is why he got thrown out of heaven with the fallen angels. You know He, he thought that he could dethrone God and take over. In this here, what we're seeing now was another attempt. As when Adam and Eve, when they fell in the garden, the world became Satan's playground. Which is why he said, um, that all the authority I will give to you, which has been delivered to me. And that is what happened during the fall in the garden. The world basically was delivered to him after that. And it became his playground afterwards, which is when sin came into this world. But how did, how did our Lord and Savior Jesus react? Well, with calmness. He simply quoted the Word of God. And both times of the scriptures he quoted were from the book of Deuteronomy, the very last book of the Torah. A perfect example from our Lord in the dealings with the enemy. Too often, you know, people trust in our own power. And true power comes from the abilities that God gives us. Uh, dedicating those strengths to his service is the continual blessing in our lives. But our Lord gives us the perfect example through the power of God's word. In fact, it actually caused Satan to move on to the next task, that is. is it, not even he, as clever and as deceitful as he is, could not refute the word of God, especially to our Lord and Savior, who, who is the word. And praise be to him for allowing us to have access to him through his word. So let's continue as we as we go through that to see what else happens here. In verses 9 through 15 it says, Then he brought him to Jerusalem, and then he set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So in in Satan's attempt to entice the Lord, throw himself off of the pinnacle of the peak of where they were at, Satan actually tried to quote from the book of Psalm, chapter uh, 91, verses 11 and 12. And this Psalm was in regards to the protection for God's people. Now in the comeback of Jesus, he quoted again in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. But this time he quoted it in the he this time he quoted it in the right context to, the, to Satan, okay? Satan's giving him the word, but he's he's misinterpreting what is said in Psalm. Christ comes in and gives him the real deal. So he comes in and corrects what is being said to refute his falseness. And and again by the word of God Satan was defeated. He had no other arsenal, so he left. And by the word of God, we can remember what it says in James chapter 4 verse 7. It says, to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But second, we have to remember that what Peter said also in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8, which says, be alert and sober minded, because your enemy, the devil, is a roaring lion looking to devour. And this was, again, proof of that, ex- of that exact scripture. And he always looks for the vulnerable, or for someone in a weakened state. And we see that he will stoop to all levels as he took a shot at Christ himself, blatantly knowing who he was. Which, again, we must rely on the power of Christ, as we cannot take on the powers of darkness ourselves. You know, arrogant attempts have been made, and great destruction has, was the result. But through the Lord's example, we've seen his result returning in the power of the Spirit through his time of fasting and his victory over the enemy's ways. He returns to his home area of Galilee, which is this beautiful area in, uh, right there in Israel's countryside. And re- he returns to his home area and he revealed himself as he taught in the synagogues. Now, very common, they would have actually uh, guest rabbi speakers. It was very common. Uh, versus one who was glued to the pulpit. Uh, for me, I would have loved to have been in the midst of the people because they were hearing from the true head of the church. And it would have been interesting to see what came of those synagogues after he was done teaching there. See, his presence brings life to the body. But did the synagogues have divisions, uh, strife, debates on scripture? That, that would have been interesting to see. Uh, but as every sheepfold is different, it all comes together when Christ enters the scene. So let's continue here as we're uh, going to look at verses uh, 16. And we're going to be looking at verses 16 to 30. And it says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And recover of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which he proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. And then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, When the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout all of the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath. And rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the, to the brow of the hill on which their city was built and they, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. You know, we can look at the prophecies of Isaiah. Strong Messianic prophecies, which Christ had fulfilled all of them, is, is handed this this particular scripture to read as a guest teacher that day in the synagogue. Uh, coincidence? I not at all. <laughs> Divine appointment, as as he was there to be revealed, uh, but did not like. Uh, they did not like the claim, even to the point of trying to throw him off of a cliff. They were willing to break the commandment of Thou shall not murder, but he was right about a prophet having no honor in his own country. They knew him as that nice young man who was a carpenter in Nazareth under his father, his adopted father, Joseph, who worked in the carpenter shop. He made everybody's furniture, right? That's all they really would have known him as. But he, see, he gave Old Testament examples of people healed. And the experience that Christ had, which was said twice in the Gospels, were toward Gentiles. A Roman centurion? And then a woman in the Gentile region of Lebanon, he he said, nowhere have I seen such great faith. And only two times in the gospel that he ever said that about anybody was towards two Gentiles. The Roman centurion and the woman in in Lebanon. And they were the ones who recognized who he was. I, I fear that Christ is being drug out of the churches that claim to be of him and being replaced with worldly aspects uh, just as this synagogue did they they didn't like what christ said so we today can be led away by anyone out of popularity you know if a guest speaker shows up with a briefcase and a suit from 2 to 300 miles away i guess that makes him an expert right well i've learned that i cannot afford myself i cannot afford to be popular And nor can I afford to be disliked by people, because I will never be effective in teaching God's word that way. See, being popular, people will go with anything that's said to them. They will go with anything that someone says. And being disliked will just close off the ears of people, even if something is solid and true. And that's the unfortunate nature of what we see in the churches nowadays, is the fact that that attendance is based off of popularity nowadays. People will say anything, and they can get away with it. But as soon as somebody says something to anger them, then they're no longer efficient as a teacher. It hasn't happened to me yet after my years of doing it, but I've seen it happen to many, many others. And so, Christ himself was was the first example that they actually wanted to kill him. He said something very unpopular when he made known that God really did some amazing things to some Gentile people. Naaman, this this Syrian general, was stricken with leprosy. And at the time, the prophet Elisha was the one who was given the revelation from God to tell the Naaman how to get rid of the leprosy, which was technically an incurable disease. He was told to go to the Jordan River and to jump inside and outside of it seven times, which is something we've never heard anybody else do in the form of the cleansing of leprosy. So Naaman, with faith, listened and went and dunked himself seven times in the Jordan River and was cleansed of his leprosy. So we see where Christ was speaking into the uh, recognition of Gentile faith. Where even his own people would rather see a miracle than to listen to what had to be said. And looking at verses 31 through 37, and then it says where he's going to prove himself here, where it says, Then he went down to Capernaum, a city in, of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths, And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of unclean uh, of an unclean demon and he cried out with a loud voice saying let us alone what have we to do with you Jesus of Nazareth did you come to destroy us i know who you are the holy one of god but Jesus rebuked him saying be quiet and come out of him and w- when the demon had thrown him th- thrown him in their midst it came out of him and did not hurt him Then they were all amazed and spoke amongst themselves, saying, What a word this is. For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Now, the event of trying to throw him off a cliff didn't faze him. As he went out into a different area this time uh, to do his primary calling as a teacher. Uh, But it was here that he made known his divine power as even inside of a synagogue was a possessed man you know where uh, where people's attention were uh, were caught was in this demon's recognition of Jesus the carpenter's son as others referred to were now aware of whose son he really was <laughs> you know i know who you are holy one of god what do you have to do with us as they're speaking in complete fear of him. See, we've seen in the beginning that their leader, Satan, he didn't even have any power or authority over him. And now these demons made known who he was. You know, e- evil entities are scary to the world. And sometimes it takes a wake-up call when it's encountered to show us that these things actually do exist. Now I, I've mentioned uh, an old friend of mine from my uh, my youth, who I'm still very close friends with, who works in a very large cemetery outside of Los Angeles as a security guard, and he was telling me about the process that during his interview that they asked him if he believed in evil spirits or or demonic uh, possession, but unfortunately my friend my dear friend is an atheist. That I grew up with. And he says that I don't believe in any of that. I believe that when we go, we go. But unfortunately, I guess other people <laughs> other people didn't think that. Because in, in that position where he was working at nights, they had a lot of employee turnover in his position. Which is why they were interviewing him on, on what he believed in evil spirits and demonic uh, possession. But God will allow and use an entity to show its existence. And when that happens, a lot of times, they will call on the name of Christ because not even an atheist is a foxhole. Or, I'm sorry, not a, an atheist is no longer in a foxhole. An atheist is no longer an atheist when they're in a foxhole, <laughs> is what I meant to say. An atheist is no longer one when they are in a foxhole. And people... See, people are always fascinated by authority. And there is no greater authority outside of Christ. And he showed that by commanding what no person could do outside of his authority, and by the powerful word of God was done. He was able to show that with all authority and with ease. In in verse uh, 38 to 44... The miracles continue as it says, Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife, mother, was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. And when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of uh, many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. Because of this purpose, I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So now at this point, he was known. Uh, People were lining up to meet him and, and to be healed. Now, as they were doing this as the sun was setting, it was trying uh, it was trying to meet up before the Sabbath. So that way they, they wouldn't uh, be traveling or breaking a Sabbath law because you were not allowed to be uh, doing any form of traveling or going anywhere on the Sabbath according to their laws. So this was why they were doing this as the sun was setting. Uh, but he was healing all who came to him. And more demon-possessed came as well and professed who he was. And again, the authority of Christ was there as he silenced them and as they pronounced his holy existence. Why? Why why would he want to silence them? Well, he he didn't need their help in the matter, for one, but, but he was there to reveal himself, and through his actions, his teachings, and his unconditional love is how he was to reveal himself, not from the announcement from unclean spirits. But, you know, in his numerous examples, he shows us something. Something simple yet important in his time. And in all his works. And it was that his, was his alone time in solitude and prayer. There was no one on earth or in history who did more or worked harder in ministry than the Lord Jesus. Three years was the time limit for him. But he always made time for prayer that we will see. Which again in his example, through non-stop teaching, non-stop healing, uh, non-stop traveling through the regions and synagogues, he, he made devotional time always. And how important it is that no matter the busy schedules in life that we have, we take the time in prayer. As he took the time in quiet solitude, how much more so for us to do the same? You know, as we continue in the Gospel of Luke, it's going to be a blessing to see that our Lord and Savior relates to us. Even though he was perfect and without sin, and even though he was deity, he came and lived as we did. He got to dwell amongst men on earth, and he experienced the things we did. And, he, and I'm going to say he probably experienced them in even harder circumstances than anyone out there. But yet he was a willing servant. A willing servant who came to give. And he gave all while here, all of his service, all of his love. And more importantly, he gave his life. You know, he, he got to experience life with us. So that way we could experience eternity with him. And so, as always, at the end of every message, the opportunity to be able to say that we're going to have the experience of eternity with Him is now. If you feel led to give your life to Jesus Christ, well, how do I do that? And as you've been, if this is your first time listening to this message, then it is done through a simple prayer of belief and receiving. And by believing and receiving him, you are inviting him into your heart to live within you and you will be living with him. You will be a part of him and he will be a part of you. But the relationship is better than anything you'll ever have because his word says that he will never leave or forsake us. And at times we're going to feel like he did because of the hard times we go through. See, nobody went through harder times than him. And when people tell you that by receiving the Lord your life is going to be perfect and without problems, they are deceiving you. Because our Lord and Savior went through more than anybody. And he himself says too that you will also be attacked but you're going to be attacked regardless. And that's the difference. I don't it doesn't matter whether you follow him or not, you will go through attacks. But always the advo- you want an advocate. And you will not have a better one outside of our Lord and Savior. If you want to receive him in your life, and if you want an eternal life in heaven, it's only through him is what the Bible says. So if you want to pray this prayer after me, Dear God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask you, Lord, to come into my heart as I receive you as my Lord and my Savior and as my Father. Lord, I thank you for having me. And I pray that when my time is up, Lord, that I will be received into your kingdom as one of your children. As I thank you, I praise you, and I love you, Lord, for dying for my sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, again, it's always a blessing to be a part of the Lord's work and it's a blessing to be a part of any of you who are listening so I pray that you will continue to seek him as he's been seeking you and waiting for you see the Lord loves you and he's been waiting for you so if you've received him now in prayer I want to congratulate you on the greatest decision you've ever made so may you walk closely and walk with strength and in truth so may God be with you and bless you always